Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human Podcast, a podcast created to help you get out of your head and into your life. That is, if you want to have more fun, freedom, happiness, peace of mind, and success whilst squeezing the juice out of every area of your life. Join Jackie Ford every Thursday and listen in to her warm Scottish tones, wise heart and wonderful sense of humour as she interviews guests and discusses what it means to be unashamedly human. Hi everyone and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast. My name is Jackie Ford and as you all know by now, I am a coach, trainer, mentor and speaker living in Scotland but working globally. I have really been watching um, certain people on social media to see how they grow and how they develop and what they're doing in their businesses. And there was one woman that I've been watching that I, I reached out to because I could see that her wings were growing, that her voice was becoming stronger. And she had found her space, her space to come alive and be the woman that she's always been. Now, as many of you know, our journeys can be difficult to get to this stage in life where we feel confident about what we're doing. And this woman, Andrea Morrison, has had a very interesting journey to be where she is right now. Andrea Morrison is now a transformational coach, a TEDx speaker and a writer. And our journey into personal development started quite a few years ago due to something that was happening in her work. So I'm going to let all of this unfold during the podcast because it's always nicer when you hear that story from the speaker themselves. So Andrea, welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast. It's a delight to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie, for inviting me. It's just, uh, it's amazing to, to be on, on the podcast. It's a, it's a name me for a long time you know unashamedly human it's yeah and that's kind of where I feel like I'm almost there I think we're always almost there um but just just to be who I am and be happy with that I think that's that's a wonderful place to be absolutely it's such a gift isn't it just to be so settled in the main <laughs> in the main in what the I was main. gonna say in the main but I think so many of us don't we we go through life Thinking that we're not good enough. Mm. You know, and and just to be really okay with showing up with how we are. Have you always been okay with showing up with who you are, Andrea? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I think that kind of stopped when I was probably about 11. <laughs> And um, looking back now, you know, I, I was the kind of kid, I, w I was the youngest of four. So in order to get any kind of attention when you're the youngest of four, you have to, you know, make a lot of noise. So I was, I was quite happy kind of being me and making a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. And then when I was about 11 or 12, I, I shared with a teacher what I wanted to do when I was growing up. And I always wanted to be a barrister. You know, I'd, I'd watched um, Crown Court with my mum. That shows how old I am. I've watched Crown Court with my mum. And, and I shared this with my teacher and she just looked at me and said, oh, Andrea, people like you don't do jobs like that. Mm. You need to set your sights a bit lower. And, and that really burst my bubble. You know, that I, in some respects, wasn't good enough mm -hmm. 
to do what I wanted to do through no fault of my own. So it was nothing to do with, you know, whether I was bright enough or whether I could argue, which I was fairly good at even at that age. You know, um, it was nothing to do with that. But just because of, of, of how, where I'd been born and the school I was going to, this teacher thought that I wasn't good enough. And I, so I think from, from that age, I started to become very aware that, that maybe who I was wasn't quite what I needed to be, which was a real shame, really. But it, I mean, it's like an incredibly interesting point, though, isn't it? How often we wear other people's stories. Mm. You know, and, and, and there's this, this perfect instance, and there's probably many people listening to this, who themselves are wearing a story that their mother or their father or, or a teacher has put on them that they've believed. You know, and we hear the ones, the innocent ones like, I'm not good at maths. I'm not good at art. You know, I, I can't run very fast. Mm. And you think how innocent that is as a young a young person trying to understand the world with whatever age your young brain it is, you know, trying to make sense of, a, of an adult world. And innocently, here you are, this gorgeous little creature who has all the ambition in the world and a trusted adult pisses all over it. Yeah, yeah. And yet, if you had had this understanding that we're speaking of, you would have seen that. Yeah. And that kind of takes me to the reason that I wanted you on the podcast, Andrea, is because I know that you, like me, specialize in working with women. Mm. Women are the storytellers, we're the healers, we're the birth givers, we are the carers. And the more that we can settle into our essence and be as grounded as possible, the more we can share that with our families and then their families and their families' families, breaking the chain of dysfunction, misunderstanding. So so in your journey, and and I know that you you were a a corporate, you were a lawyer, you were a barrister actually, Andrea. As, as a woman going through that, what was that like? And what do you see now? It was a massive contradiction. That's, what, that's what's coming to me right now. Because on the one hand, what I see is that my wisdom was saying, you know, you can do this. Mm-hmm. Right? You can really do this. And that initially was what I followed. I mean, when, when I went to the bar, which was when I did my degree as a mature student back in 1996, it was quite a long time ago now, only 12% of barristers were women. And there were about, if I got my maths right, about 300 permanent positions, if you like. So the numbers were really small for me to get this. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'd gone to failing schools. I messed up my GCSEs. You know, I, I didn't exactly have the usual CV that a barrister has. And, but I knew I could do it. I knew I could do it. And I knew I could do it Wow. But I was wearing so many other people's stories. I was wearing the story of this means so much, you've given up so much, you know, what if you fail? You know, the stakes are really high. 
that's what I started my career out with, as long, along with all the stories that we pick up as women. Mm. So you can be confident, but don't be too confident because that comes across as aggressive. Don't argue too much because you, you don't want to be that kind of woman. You know, nobody likes a really confident woman, you know. Um, and that's something that sometimes I come up against even now. You know. <laughs> Study of my life. <laughs> is, yeah, but isn't that the case? You know, you're, yeah. you're not a good leader. You're, you're aggressively assertive, you know, yeah. and, and it's not being aggressive at all. And I, I just have a point of view, you know. And, mm. uh, <laughs> but as a woman, you know, we have all these kind of hidden kind of barriers if you like so we mm-hmm. we had all of this as well as you know I had so when I started when I had my children my daughter was born in 2004 I felt that I had to be the best mum and I had to be there and I didn't want to um you know just just hand them over to a, and there's, there's nothing wrong with this this is my story this isn't like fact but in my mind I didn't want to to have a nanny in, in the home, I wanted to have a childminder so that I could still be the main carer, you know, because I thought that meant I wasn't, which is nuts, because all it actually meant was I was doing far more than any human person could ever possibly do. But in my head, I had this story of what being a good mum looked like. So, you know, I would cook all their own meals and you know, from scratch and like freeze them all and, and stay up all night and do all that. And, you know, and all, I'm sure every woman knows exactly what I'm talking oh, yeah, about. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I don't need to go into any detail about it. But it, it was nuts, the things I used to tell myself, that, that being successful as a parent meant. The reality of that meant that I didn't sleep. I mean, I basically had no sleep for probably the best part of six years because at the time when I was sleeping I was trying to be perfect and you know so you know if I had a brief to be to prepare like my wisdom looking back now my wisdom would tell me when it was done but my intellect would say oh no you need to work for at least another four hours just to make sure that every single point is absolutely covered and and none of that was was necessary Mm -hmm. um and and it, it, was, it was impossible. It was an impossible situation. The job was hard enough. Yes, you know, I can look back and say, yeah, having three kids in three years, um, having a very demanding job, deciding to build an extension during that, my father dying was, would have been a lot to cope with anyway. Even, you know, just in terms of there weren't enough hours in the day, I would have just kept going. But the experience I was creating of that was so hard and difficult. There was so much noise that I couldn't even see that there weren't enough hours in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, I, even to the point where I would insist on doing my own tax returns, my own accounts, like I had to be in control of everything. And I look back now and I think, why, why didn't I just ask for help for people but of course, that wasn't the story I was telling myself. The story I was telling myself was that a successful woman had to do everything herself. Because to, to farm anything out, would, to be admitting defeat, I couldn't cope. You've basically just 
<laughs> reiterated my story and probably most of the women's stories that are, that are listening here. There'll be differences in the circumstances, there'll be differences in some of the details, but the plot line's the same. You know, and the more I coach Andrea, the more I see that. You know, you see, you see the oneness and the misunderstanding as well as the oneness and the solution. Yeah. Uh, it just cracks me up when you can see someone sort of driving around the racing track with a blindfold on, yeah. you know, and, and they're bumping into things, but they don't think I need to stop the car and get out. Yeah. No, they just go faster. Yeah, you just and that was the misunderstanding that I had, you know. And I look back when I went back to work with my youngest daughter, I went back full time because I thought that would be easier. So I went faster, thinking mm -hmm. that would help me. <laughs> and it's like because that to me that made sense. What if I just kind of keep going and I keep going and I keep going and I never stop? then I'll just be able to manage it all. Well, of course, that was never going to work. No. I, I think also, Andrea, we, you know, you're, you're, you're younger than me, but probably roughly the same vintage that we were taught we could have it all, mm. you know, because our mothers couldn't. So we were taught we could have it all. So that made sense because, you know, women were, were getting more rights, you know, th th there was meant to be, equal opportunities in the, the employment sector. You know, I look back to my days in, in, in the pharma industry, you know, corporate blue chip companies, you know, a career spanning 30 odd years. And, and I look at, it was like working on the set of The Wolf of Wall Street. You know, the, the guys were all earning way more than the women. The women were outperforming the men. The men were getting incredible pension pots. The women weren't. And we were forbidden to talk about salary mm. and paying conditions. And, but the, all of that was okay. You just, you didn't understand. So you just, you know, it was all swept under the carpet. And I do, I feel for women nowadays because again, there's, there's a veneer of equal opportunity. There's a veneer of you know, you, you can have it all. You can do what you need to do to have a successful career and, you know, look after your families and do most of the housework, et cetera, et cetera. And all of that is okay when we're gentle with ourselves because you recognise what's important and what's not important. And, you know, there are things that can be left. But when you hold yourself to the standards that you're speaking about and that I held myself to, that's where the difficulty comes. When you're holding concepts and constructs and ideas in your head that you think are factual information, that are rules that have to be obeyed or else you are a lesser human. Yeah. And that, that's, exactly, that's exactly right. You know, that's just spot on. And, and I think, you know, what occurred to me when you were speaking there is that I think for a lot of women, we feel lucky to have the opportunity. And, and so we, we also run a story that we don't want to give that up because we were so fortunate to have it in the first place. Instead of, you know, and, and, I, and I look back and I think if I had let that story go, 
and just allowed myself to be there because I was good enough to be there. I, I'd earned my right to be there if you mm-hmm. want of a better way of saying that. Then I may have seen, I don't know, because it's years ago, but then I obviously had a, a very innocent misunderstanding about how the world works. But maybe I would have been gentler with myself as to my priorities. Because I wouldn't have been scared of losing everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I get it. There's a fragility. So now, Andrea, you've obviously gone on a a journey of self-discovery and you're probably like most of us, you know, you have a mountain of self-help books as you looked outside of yourself. (laughs) You can see my library, (laughs) my book is behind me. But mine are hidden, (laughs) these are are not self-help books, mine are scattered around the house so they don't look, there's huge amounts of them. Um, You know, and and, and that journey of of looking outside of ourselves, that's what was available. That's what we knew, not knowing that 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 self-help idea was trying to fix an egoic idea of who we thought we were and who we thought we should be innocently. And it's still going on, unfortunately. And the understanding that both you and I point to in our coaching practices is completely different because it bypasses all the behavior stuff. You know, way before that happens, we're looking at, the source. So when we look at the source, Andrea, what did you see in that for yourself when you came across this understanding? Well, it took me a long time to see the source. You know, I I was a very slow learner. (laughs) And, you know, I often describe the fact that I was kind of dragged through the principles kicking and screaming because... I, I thought it was far more complicated. You know, I was special, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, I, I was really broken, you know, and I really needed fixing, you know, so, but I do remember, I remember um, it was at one of the conferences and I don't know what was said, um, as we often don't know what was said. <laughs> and I just sat there and I, I just had this overwhelming sense that we were all made of the same stuff. You know, that our essence was all exactly the same. You know, that there wasn't somebody's essence was better than somebody else's or somebody's wasn't bigger than somebody else's or less bruised or battered or it was just all perfect. Mm-hmm. And, and nothing that could ever be said or ever be done could ever harm that. And I remember just sitting there with tears rolling down my face, not knowing why I was crying, but just feeling enormously moved by this insight that I'd had and and it 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 was just so it was just so profound I mean I can I can feel it now just how because up until that point I thought there was something wrong with me up until that point I thought I wasn't good enough mm-hmm. it didn't fit you know I was the oddball I was the you know the one that wasn't in the in crowd if even if there was an in crowd but you know in my my intellect I thought there often was and 
And in that moment, I just felt just completely whole. And I wonder how many people listening and are saying, oh my God, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Always sitting on the fence looking in, but not really wanting to go into play, just, just feeling okay on the periphery because it was safe there. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, we live, you know, we live in a world of judgment. Human beings, we judge, we judge all the time. It is part of, it's part of who we are, you know, not who we are, but it's part of the, you know, what human beings do, you know. Mm. And, and when, you know, I, I didn't understand that. So I, I was afraid of that. It, it stopped me from being who I was because, mm. you know, everyone is seeing the world through their own personal lens so they're gonna they're gonna see you through their own personal lens you know and and that's not going to be the the same lens that you see yourself in so you know and and that had I can see how that stops has stopped me and does still stop me sometimes Mm. you know but when I thought that that had impacted who I was there was some truth in some of that as to who I was Mm. then it felt like a truth but as soon as I saw that I was whole then I could see kind of what was going on it was like I was in on the joke then (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's such a it's such a beautiful and innocent misunderstanding isn't it that you can hold on to this conceptual idea of life and who you are almost like we're wearing a mask and our our brain is sort of deliciously effective at giving us all these gorgeous memories and retrieving information you know as our backup it's kind of like the back end it's got the files that completely agree with yeah that's who you are here are all the memories this backs up this will keep you safe this will keep you in the same place and I always say to people you know what we the space that we coach from is not from the brain it's not from the intellect it's from mind it's from that that gorgeous intelligence that you're pointing to the, the oneness of absolutely everything and when people go, you know, that sounds a bit woo-woo, I'm like, well, here's the thing. Spirituality isn't woo-woo. It's incredibly ordinary. Yeah. There's an energy that connects us to each other and to absolutely everything. And just because we can't see it doesn't mean to say that it's not there. Yeah. Yeah. So with that beautiful energy and essence and insight that you've had Andrea into you're okay you're not broken you don't need fixed you have everything that you need what are you doing with that in the world (laughs) well I'm just enjoying just letting it all unfold at the moment I Mm. think it's been a it's been a an amazing few years because I look back at the 
the early part of my coaching and of course I, I came from a kind of technique background as, as often some of us do and you know I was trying to make everything happen and you know setting my goals and making them happen and, and it was all kind of you know very kind of stressful <laughs> you know and I, I, I remember having this kind of overriding um, fear that I was running out of time, you know, that I, I had to get it done, you know, people just didn't understand, you know, I couldn't be doing this business for years, I, I need to get it moving, I need to, you know, and, and my brain was going at a million miles an hour. And after I, I had that realization, it was like everything fell away, like I, I looked at everything I had been doing in with these completely fresh eyes. I realized that a lot of what I've been doing I didn't want to do anymore. It didn't make sense to me to do it in that way anymore. Even, you know, when I was holding seminars and workshops, I just, I had all these resources and PowerPoint mm -hmm. things. And I was just like, I don't want to do any of that. And I just kind of checked it all out. And, and I just started to just share what I was seeing and do that in quite a, quite a fearless way and start to kind of just feel my way doing that and and it's been I'd like to kind of say oh yes it was this linear journey I did this and then I did this and then I did this and then I became this you know world famous author and it all happened in like a year because that's of course what our intellect is telling us that life is supposed to look like and and it was none of that it's been this curious twisty turny journey that takes me in one direction and then it takes me in another direction, but it's been delicious and rich at the same time. And I've, I've just, yeah, I, it's been incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I just um, keep being bowled over by what's happening next mm -hmm. and, and being totally unconcerned about what comes after that. Until you're not. Until you're not. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not. We're not pointing to utopia here, people. Yeah, well, this is true. Yeah, yeah, we're, point, we're pointing to, to a gentler and easier experience of life, an extraordinary experience of, of, of life. Um, you know, and, and what both Andrew and I are saying is that, it, you know, it still comes with speed bumps. We still oh, get speed bumps. Yeah. I mean, I had one a couple of weeks ago and, you know, I just woke up and it was a Friday and I was just like, what on earth am I doing? You know, mm -hmm. I have no plan. You know, it's like we're in the middle of, you know, this global pandemic and, and what, what, what's my place? What am I doing? You know, I need to sort something out. And I just, you know, my brain just kind of went into meltdown about mm -hmm. it all, you know, and, and it, it took a, you know, a little while for that to settle and for me to catch on as to what was really happening. Mm -hmm. But that's the yeah. key, isn't it, Andrea? That there's there's a new baseline that's established. Yeah. That once once you find out how you work from the inside out, you know, through the, this understanding that, that it's called the principles, but it's really insights into your own life and how you work. And, you know, we all have preferences. But when, once you see that, there's a new baseline established. So you become less tolerant of of upset because you recognize the feeling and it's about not being upset with the fact that you're kind of lost in thought but recognizing that there's something for you to let go rather than something for you to do and I guess that's what happened. And I think that is such an important point that is such an important point 
Yeah, and it's so important, I think, to reiterate because what I come across, especially when uh, you know people have first come to the understanding that they they beat themselves. I did. I used to beat myself up when I got lost in thought. You know, it's like, well, I should know better because, like, I've done all this work. You know, what's going on? You know, and and it is about for me anyway being really gentle about that it's kind of part of the deal mm. you know we it's gonna happen you know so what it's so I spent a day you know in in my pajamas just you know and unfortunately you know my, my wisdom was screaming at me to do a couple of things I needed to do which I had the good sense to do but apart from that I just kind of you it was a bit you know bit fed up and a bit blue and a bit and it passed and I was like okay well today's a new day (laughs) (laughs) that was yesterday that was my pajama day you know and and you're right you know it it's we're not pointing to this utopia it's it's yeah I'm human and and yeah I'm unashamedly human in all of its glory all of its glory and all of it is okay absolutely I love that Hence the name of the podcast. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. I love it. I really love it because it just sums it up. You know? Absolutely. Shamelessly it's, me. <laughs> it's, it's not about being a superhuman Zen goddess at the end of it, you know, who has this kind of Mary Poppins existence, you know, mm. with, with, you know, birds singing out of the palm of her hand and, and stuff. It's, that's, not, that's not the end product. Absolutely. So Andrea, I, I know that I said at the beginning of the podcast that you enjoy working with women, okay? And 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 as you know, that's kind of the sort of area that I work into. And it's interesting that because of COVID, some of your plans have had to change this year. You were meant to be running a retreat. Um, you know, and it had a beautiful venue and you'd established what your clients wanted and people booked on. In fact, I think it was sold out, you know, you'd managed to sell it out. And here you are now, you're in a completely different situation, different world. What are you doing instead? Because you've got a strong message here. and, And like I said to you earlier, I love helping to raise the voice of women who are working with other women so what are you doing what are you doing to change at at the beginning of the year I'd had a a longer term plan to approve to um to have a um a resource for women so I didn't have any idea of what that was going to look like we I'd uh, you're right I had the free your mind retreat which was at the end of March uh, which was mixed, um, men and women, and um, and that was sold out. It sold out last year. I was, it, I was blown away. Um, it was amazing, and unfortunately, that's had to be postponed. But I'd had this this other kind of sense, if you like, that there was something there that I needed to do just for women. Mm-hmm. And I'd been on the female platform for a long time. Um, sort of championing women in the workplace and and also women in enterprise and being involved in in lots of discussions about how we could help women be themselves in in all areas of their work to to put it you know um, in a nutshell but we all know the challenges that women face so how we could how we could speak to that 
And I started at the beginning of the year interviewing women and asking them what they wanted, you know, what were the challenges that they were facing right now and, and what kind of thing that did they want? And interestingly, um, they came back and they said, oh, we wanted, we'd like a retreat, but not an overnight retreat. We would just like to spend a couple of days with you. But obviously we have family commitments and other commitments and stuff. So we, we, we don't want, we can't justify coming overnight. So I said, oh, that's fine. And, and as these things turn out, I stood next to somebody for another beautiful venue and, and uh, we were going to sort that out for about June, July time. And of course, COVID happened and, and all of that went on hold. And for the first few weeks, I, I felt that the, the whole world was in some kind of free fall. You know, it was enormously unsettling for everyone. And there was, there was a lot of noise out there about, you know, how to cope and, and what to do and all these strategies to dealing with, like working from home and stuff like that. And, and I felt that actually at that time, I just needed to be quiet. Uh, I wasn't clear as to where I could be of best service, if you like. So I supported people locally and my clients and as things came up, I, I held, but there was no kind of strong plan, if you like. And we were really fortunate about two weeks ago. Um, there was an opportunity for funding in our area to um, enable us to put something either online or just to help businesses keep afloat during these weeks. And it occurred to me, as it often does, because, uh, you know, mind speaks really loudly in these, these circumstances. Online program. You can do an online program for women. And, and I just sat with that for a while and I just thought this, this is really interesting. This could be really exciting. Because actually, if, if I had that money, I could support four other businesses who could help me put on an online program. And so they would have some work and have some, you know, exposure or what, what, whatever, but they'd, they'd be able to contribute to this. But also I'd, I'd have some funds to be able to pay them to do that. And, and that, that I found really exciting because I thought, oh, there's five businesses that this could help. So this money is going to go even further, you know. And then I, I started to think, well, actually, you know, if this is aimed at professional women who are working, who are either juggling their business or juggling their career at home, either with kids or maybe they're supporting other, uh, other family members or they have other responsibilities that they're juggling, this money could actually go so much further, you know, because it can help them. It can help the women. It will, because we know about the nature of the principles, it will help their colleagues. It will probably help their kids. It will help their relationships. And, and it would just spread. And I could see in my mind, oh my goodness. It was like, this, is just, this investment is just going to keep giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. So we put the bid together and we found out just on Friday that we were successful, which was just really, really exciting. And, and of course, the, the age-old marketing issue came up of, well, what do we call the program? <laughs> you know, what do we call it? And I mean, this has been something that has been, I've been grappling with for a number of years. You know, what is it that women want that will, you know, get them to go, yes, that's how I want to be, you know? And I was probably asking for a little bit too much and put, putting far too much on the name, you know? <laughs> 
but in my mind you know I, I just wanted something that 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 felt right and um and I was I was fortunate to be on a on a call with with Bill Pettit last week and and he was talking about the word courageous and how the root of that core came from from heart from the heart acting from the heart is an old French word and I sat there and I just thought wow yes as a woman I want to be courageous I want to feel that I can act from my heart from what I know and not go up in my head about it just do that because in my experience, what, what I used to do, and sometimes I still do it, is that I know what I need to do, but I think there's something wrong with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I go into like, what if, or what are other people going to think about it? Or what's the outcome going to be? Or is it going to be too much? Or I don't have time for this. And, and what spoke to me is, you know, as women, if we acted more from the heart, from what we know, and less of what we think. And maybe our lives may be a little easier. And so that's what's on next, is the, is a courageous female program. So, and hopefully it will be around in the next couple of weeks or so. That's beautiful, Andrea. It really is. <laughs> Yeah, beautiful, really Thank beautiful. You. Thank you. And and I think what's coming to me to kind of share is that none of that was on me, you know. And and we spend so much time trying to figure stuff out, and none of that was on me, you know. I I really feel that this has been a gift that it has just arrived, you know, and it's arrived all at the right time. However, yeah, impatient I have been over the years. Yeah, that's the key, isn't it? It's not in the doing. It just isn't in the doing, it's in the being. Always is in the being. So you're sitting there listening to a, a, you know, a a programme and all of a sudden the word that you've been looking for (laughs) just suddenly appears but my my youngest daughter Lauren is you know she she has all these hobbies and stuff and she's at uni and she's like trying to figure out what to call you know her hobby of photography and she's coming up with all these names unsure about what she wants to call it and I told her a story one day I was sitting watching um a program and in that program um Robbie Williams from Take That was talking to one of the guys from One Direction, Louie, I think it was, and they were talking about how they both hated the names of their bands, hated it. You know, Louie hated the name One Direction, Robbie Williams hated the name, you know, was it Take Take That? Take That, yeah. Yeah. And I said, Lauren, do you think that stopped them from being successful? <laughs> the fact that they hate the name of their band. She's like, oh my God, mum, no. I said, it's not important. Yeah. You know, I struggled with the unashamedly human thing for years. And I thought, I didn't even think, Andrea. It was just like, that's, that's what I am. Yeah. 
that's what I coach and teach and mentor others to be. So they can teach other people just to be unashamedly human. The way that you're going to be showing people how to be courageous, how yeah. to live the life they want to live without fear. Yeah. And I'm going to bring it back to this beautiful quote that I just love, especially now by Sid Banks. If the only thing people learned was not to be afraid of their own experience, that alone would change the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Andrea, I'm glad you're out there. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. You, you have a beautiful gift and a, and a beautiful soul. So thank you for being a guest on the Unashamedly Human podcast. And we'll put all your details there so that people can find you and find out more about your program. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for inviting me. It's been, been amazing. I've loved speaking with you. <laughs> Cool.